there's always plenty to talk about about deer and deer browsing, and I've invited Ruth Rogers Clausen back to Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show, to speak about her book, 50 Beautiful Deer-Resistant Plants, and more. I'm speaking with Ruth Clausen, one of the great garden writers in the English-speaking world. (laughs) (laughs) How's that? Thank you. That's a good way of saying it. And uh, Ruth is the author of a new book, 50 Beautiful Deer-Resistant Plants, a book I think that everybody who lives in deer country, which is everybody, uh, should own. Well, I agree with that. <laughs> and uh, as as we talked once before about the book, and it, the 50 is funny, I think. I know that publishers like numbers, people like numbers, uh, but when I look at the 50 most beautiful deer-resistant plants, I see that their partners, are, that each one has at least five other plants with it. And so really, this is a book about 250 <laughs> most beautiful deer-resistant plants or more. Well, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to keep somebody who's spent their life gardening uh, down to 50 plants. It's impossible. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But uh, after the deer have been through, sometimes you are down to not that many plants, but uh, more than 50. And this time of year in the late summer and we're approaching fall, we've got wonderful plants. We've got all all the grasses because pretty much... Almost all the grasses are deer resistant, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and they come in all shapes and sizes, and um, you know, are wonderful foils, especially in the fall. They many of them are in bloom then, that are quite spectacular. And um, as a matter of fact, just this weekend, I did a big flower arrangement for uh, our church and used some beautiful big miscanthus uh, sprays that were just looked absolutely gorgeous and quite dramatic. So you can use them, you know, in a, if you have enough space in a garden. The miscanthus take up quite a bit of space, but there are lots of smaller ones as well that you can uh, look for. And these are the ornamental grasses, and they are deer-resistant. Absolutely, absolutely. And you've got plenty to choose from. I mean, there really are really are quite a lot. Uh, one of the ones that, that um, I like a lot is the Hakon grass from Japan that is uh, just, it, it's almost... Flows. If you look at it, the ornament, the um, variegated ones in particular, Aurea is the is the one that I like very much, or Aureola is another one, and uh, they're kind of almost um, a chartreuse green, mm-hmm. and sort of the way that they have it is, it's almost like a waterfall flowing, and they can look just beautiful, particularly in a shady spot to face down other things and to go with other low shade lovers. Well, and that's a remarkable thing about them, too, is that they will tolerate shade, some shade, mm-hmm. uh, unlike almost all the ornamental grasses that really want full sun. That's right. That's right. But, you know, a lot of us, particularly up here in the east, where there's a lot of shade, um, many of us really are looking for things that will decorate uh, shaded places. And this is one that is just spectacular, in my opinion. Well, uh, you mentioned, too, with their Latin names for the varieties, and I found that the variegated one, which has been popular for decades, mm-hmm. is so slow. But the all the new one, all gold, which all is, gold, yes, that's much more vigorous. Yes, and uh, and well, there's a solid green species too, which I think is not as interesting. <laughs> right, that's a little boring. <laughs> right, but the but all gold is really that's something. Yeah, that's the one I think actually that is is really coming on strong. Although you see the other ones that are advertised all the time. Yeah, there's a there's a, a variegated one that's sort of grayish white and grayish green, mm-hmm. and the solid green one, and 
the the famous one, which is variegated, I guess, green and kind of yellow gold, and all yeah. gold, which is really you said chartreuse, but it's it's almost yellow. It, it is. It, it is. doesn't look sickly. It's a, it's bright. no, and but you need to be sure that it has enough shade. Don't let it into too much sun because it will burn. Well. I have not mine, in your garden, right? <laughs> right, in my garden, which they're in the most sun I have, and they look pretty good, and I have about four tomatoes <laughs> on all my plants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because it's just not sunny here, unfortunately. So I'm, right. I'm always looking for something that can tolerate shade. Uh, burn, That's I've never a... seen burn on it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, someday, maybe, if I take down some trees or something, or actually if, if I can afford to take down the trees that mm-hmm. are dying or deceased, but uh, we, last time when we talked, we talked mostly about perennials, I think. And mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about shrubs. Okay. And also, this is the time of year we want to order bulbs to plant, well, soon. Sure. That's right. Well, between now and Thanksgiving. Right. Well, That's sort uh, of a good rule of thumb. Right. And, of course, you and I have both planted th- th- bulbs in January, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and accident. some are still waiting to be done. <laughs> <laughs> Even later than that, but right. yeah, but ideally, you know, when the when the soil starts to cool down, it's probably a little bit early yet, but um, you know, come around I, Columbus Day to Thanksgiving is probably a pretty good rule of thumb. Well, since we're starting to talk about bulbs, why don't you tell me some of the bulbs that are not browsed, uh, because some some of them are just not touched at all, but some bulbs are. I mean, tulips, forget right. it. <laughs> tulips are deer candy. Yeah. And many of the crocus are, not all of them, but many of them, and certainly not the autumn crocus uh, or colchicum. Those are not browsed at all, and they come up um, naked. They're sometimes called naked boys or naked ladies. They come mm-hmm. up into bloom uh, in the fall, which is kind of surprising when you suddenly see them. Uh, but those are really nice. But the thing with not having any foliage, which appears the following spring and is quite large and can be a little bit of a nuisance, mm-hmm. but um, they look much better if they're planted with ferns or with a ground cover or uh, something like that, just to give them a bit of a foil so, and to stop them from toppling over, too. They tend to be a little bit weak because it's not really a stem. It's just the tube of the flower itself, and it's not very uh, sturdy. So if you have ferns around, small ferns, it's, that works fairly well. But I have to tell you about this wonderful scene that I saw at Chicago Botanic Garden many years ago and just sort of rounded a corner. And again, huge ornamental grasses on one side of the path. (laughs) But anyway, on the other side, there was this level area and it had been seeded with uh, sweet alyssum seed probably about six to eight weeks prior. Hmm. And the uh, they were in full bloom, sort of a lavender color. And these colchicums, the water lily kind, which is um, sort of a pinkish mauve, mm-hmm. uh, were coming up right through that. And it was stunning. I have to tell you, I mean, this is all these years later. I, I cannot forget it. And it was just such a wonderful scene. And I thought, wow, that's terrific. And, of course, the, the deer will not go for either the colchicum or the sweet alyssum. So that, of huh. course, is a very short-term cool weather annual. Although there are some vegetative forms now that really go right up until November in bloom. They're just spectacular. But anyway, this is the old-fashioned ones, and you can just scatter seeds maybe six to eight weeks ahead of when you anticipate your culture. Of course, your timing has to be just right. <laughs> yeah, right. But it was it was an amazing. My sister lives in... Uh 
near San Francisco, north of San Francisco, San Francisco, and her entire neighborhood smells like alyssum. You can smell. Oh, isn't that? Oh, it's just gorgeous. It's amazing. I mean, it's in the air. It's everywhere. And there, yeah. I don't know how many plants there are. You don't even see, well, you see a lot, but you don't see that many. But you yeah. turn off the highway and you smell them. Oh, that lovely sort of soft honey smell. Yeah. Just lovely. Yep. Yeah. And the bees love them too. So, so let's get back some more bulbs. Yes, please. It's, yeah, sorry. We're digressing. Um, daffodils, all mm-hmm. daffodils. They are not browsed by deer. However, sometimes I have seen very mean deer who have just trampled them, which is very irritating. But, <laughs> um, they can get over that. Uh, but daffodils, narcissus, um, jonquils, anything in that uh, that family, those are not browsed. And you can have, of course, spectacular uh, combinations with that. And um, you know, there are different daffodils from. Um, probably late February, early March, depending on the season, right up until uh, May. So you can, you know, space that out and have a really long season of interest. Um, another group that is very, very good and the deer don't go for are the ornamental onions, the alliums. Mm. Um, the deer do not go for them, again, because of the uh, odor from them. But so many different wonderful, wonderful ones don't just be... Um, satisfied, you know, with the huge uh, g- uh, purple giant ones that are, you know, look like softballs on top of a long, long stick. Right. Um, they are dramatic, certainly. They're all, the bulbs themselves are pretty expensive, but and you can't just put one. It looks absolutely idiotic. <laughs> but <laughs> but if you put a group of maybe five or seven together, um, you know, then you can make a nice a nice display. Uh, but and there other, are allium. I'm just going to add that there are allium in my garden that are just in bud now. Is that, well, that's right. That's one of my absolute favorite ones, and that is the late blooming one, um, allium thumbergii, probably the cultivar Ozawa, right. which uh, is has pinkish, dark pink, almost I would say dark raspberry sort of pink flowers. And that's one of my all-time favorites. It's, it doesn't come into bud until August, right. and then it flowers in September and October. Um, most of the year, it's got sort of grassy foliage, um, triangular, as a matter of fact. And, um, and then these, maybe a foot high, something like that, nine inches to a foot high, looks beautiful under um, things like um, Amsonia, the Amsonia hubrechtii that has that beautiful uh, golden foliage in the fall. So you've got lots of things like that. But lily leeks is another one. The allium molly that's a spring yellow flowering one. And, um, oh, lots of different ornamental onions. And those that's a whole group to look for if you have deer problems. Um, what else now? Summer snowdrops. Snowdrops are not uh, not browsed. They're the, one of the earliest to come in in the spring. And then the summer snowflake, which is different. It's like a, a snowdrop on a taller stem, perhaps. A foot to 15 inches in height, something like that. And those are really, really good and they bulk up well. I have them along a stream here in my garden and um, they've uh, naturalized there. And for probably three weeks in the spring, I can just look out of the dining window and look right down at the stream and it's really so pretty. And the deer do not even touch them. So they've so increased in number by themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, buy some to begin with or get a clump from a friend or something and put them in and you'll find that they will, over time, I mean, not like, they won't gallop through your property, <laughs> but um, certainly they will They will build up over time and, um, you know, they can make a beautiful display in the spring. 
Wow. So that's another one that I, I would really recommend. That's a uh, good tip, too, because I always think, oh, do I want to spend the money? But uh, it's an investment. It is an investment. Unless you're planning on putting the house on the market the following year, <laughs> it's definitely, definitely an investment. Um, it's called Leucodrum estivum, for those of you that are into Latin names. Yeah, well, you need and, the names uh, if you want to get the right plant. Right, exactly, exactly. You I'm really speaking do. with Ruth Rogers Clausen, who's the author of a new book, 50 Beautiful Deer Resistant Plants. You're listening to Kendrew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. We'll be right back. Thank you for staying with us. My name is Ken Drews. I'm your host, and I'm speaking with Ruth Rogers Clausen, one of the great garden writers who writes in the English language, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's what we read. And uh, we're talking about different plants that are resistant to deer, and we've been talking about bulbs. And Ruth, is there any bulbs that you want to add before we move along to some other plants? Um, well, those are my top favorites, I have to admit. Um, Crocus thomasinianus, those, that's a crocus that they don't usually go for, that um, is the ordinary Dutch crocus that we're familiar with in the spring, they will go for big time. Mm. But uh, the Tommies, they usually leave alone. So that's one that you might try. They're very inexpensive to buy the bulb. So, you know, give them a shot. Uh, definitely. And when we talked last time, we talked mostly about herbaceous perennials, and I'm wondering about shrubs that aren't eaten. And if there if there is a shrub, I get this asked this all the time. Is there a shrub for a screen that deer don't browse? Oh yes, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, it may be a little plebeian, but what about Forsythia? Oh. Cecilia, they do not go for. Um, it may be a little ordinary, as I said, but nevertheless, uh, you can have a nice, dense screen with Cecilia, and that's something that really is worth worth doing. Um, if you look for the tall cultivars, if you're looking for a screen, uh, the small bush sanctfoils, the potentillas, mm -hmm. the shrubby potentillas. Um, there are some fairly large ones. Um, Jackmanii is one, and Coronation Triumph is another. Uh, that tend to be a little taller than some, and those will bloom off and on right through the summer, but they certainly make a fairly dense screen. So those are two flowering shrubs that you might want to look for. Um, another one that is, is really, if you want to keep, uh, you know, neighborhood pets and stuff out, uh, look for a trifoliate orange. Oh. That's one that people don't grow that often, and it's sometimes considered a bit of a pest, but boy, it really works. Um, this time of year, it's, the real name is Ponceris trifoliata, and uh, it's very spiny, and this time of year it has orange-sized um, yellow fruits on it, which is not yes. all bad. It's quite, quite decorative. Uh, it is deciduous, but nevertheless, it's very spiny, and it makes a really good screen. And a worthwhile security hedge. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> anybody who tries to get through that or anything that tries to get through that is going to be sorry. That's right. That's right. Um, some of the flowering shrubs that you might be interested in, um, you know, you've got things like white jella. Uh, people don't think about things like that, that flowers in the spring. Um, you've also got, um, well, that we talked about the sanctfoil before. And um, purple Dutia. beauty berry. Pardon? Dutia 
This year, they don't go for it. That's right. That's another spring one. For this time of the year, the purple beautyberry, mm-hmm. calicarpa, that with those startlingly purple, bright purple clusters uh, or clusters of purple berries, um, that can be something that's really nice. Try putting that one maybe with an underplanting of the uh, colchicum bulbs. That's a nice combination. If, the, if you have some of the, the colchicum at their feet for this time of the year, it makes a really nice display. Maybe a little unusual, but nevertheless. <laughs> and, and a little bright. <laughs> a little bright, yeah, but you know, you need brightness. I mean, it's Especially spring now, fall right? time. Especially Absolutely. Later, right? um, maybe more ordinary um, for the rest of the year, you've got uh, Japanese spirea. Mm-hmm. That's a, a nice shrub that the deer don't go for. Lavender, of course. Um, you know, back to the, the sort of, um, I shouldn't say smelly, but uh, fragrant herb. <laughs> Um, lavender can be, depending on where you're living, but, you know, they can be, they're not going to be uh, six foot tall, but certainly they make for a nice little low hedge, perhaps, if you want to have that. Uh, actually, in my grandmother's garden when I was a child, she had a, a tennis court, grass tennis court with a bank, and there was a lavender hedge that was probably, well, I was pretty small, but <laughs> the lavender hedge was probably two feet high, something like mm-hmm. that, the whole length of the tennis court. Wow. And it was just spectacular. I used to go with my mother, and we would harvest the lavender to make lavender sachets. You know, like little girls used to do things like that. (laughs) But it was marvelous, marvelous. Um, Another of my favorite shrubs, actually, is uh, kind of a weeping one that is great going over a bank or a wall, and that's the cutley stephanandra. I don't know if you're familiar. Do you yes, that? It, I don't. And it's funny that Stephanandra, which is such a useful plant, mm-hmm. I don't know how it happened, but it kind of got totally out of favor. And the, some people think it's like a, a gas station plant or something. Oh, no. I, I love know. It. It's got wonderful texture. And as you said, for a bank, it's perfect. That's right. Exactly. And and, and it's, you know, even going over a, a rough wall, if you have an area that's really kind of difficult to take care of. Stephanandra comes into flower in the spring with little white flowers. It's not, um, you know, it's not in your face kind of a plant, but it certainly is very, very useful and uh, it has these sort of zigzaggy stems. And uh, in wintertime, it drops its leaves, and but in the wintertime, the stems are kind of zigzaggy and they have the cinnamon colored bark, which is quite pretty. Actually, I wonder uh, why that plant, I don't even see it for sale anymore. Well, it's had its name changed. Oh. It's also now it's name it's known as Nelia incisor. It's been put with the Nelias. Hmm. I don't know why, but anyway, that's I'm not in that department. But certainly, um, <laughs> look for it if you can, because it's it's well worth growing. Crispa is the is the um, cultivar name that you'll probably find, and um, you know I use it for I use it in all sorts of different places. And I, again, it's something that because it's not pristine, so to speak, I feel comfortable cutting lengths of it for flower arrangements. I love to do flower arrangements and stuff, and uh, and it's it's very elegant. So that's another one I like a lot. Now, how about um, ones that keep their leaves? How about evergreens for, I know this is tough. Well, one of the, this is not for a screen, certainly, but one, again, one of my favorite ground cover plants is microbiota, the Russian oh, cycle. yes. And that's that a little shade so tolerant, good. too. Absolutely. The deer don't even touch it. They don't even touch it. And it's slow-growing. It's evergreen. Um, some people call it Siberian ca- uh, carpet or Russian cypress, which both names give you the indication that it's pretty darn hardy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it goes down actually to zone three. Um, very easy to grow. You know, it's just, it has a horizontal sort of look to it, almost layers. It doesn't come tall. It's oh, probably, um, if it's two feet, that's max. Mm -hmm. Probably more like 15 to 18 inches tall. But it's just such a great, a great plant. And I, again, I don't know why people don't, don't um, grow it a lot. I have it in uh, shade, maybe with a little bit of sun in, in the morning. It can be, if it's in too deep shade, uh, the foliage may brown and, and drop. Mm -hmm. And you'll find, actually, if you look at a plant that's been around for quite some time, the inside of it uh, may have dropped its foliage where it doesn't get any light. But it's something that, again, um, I just love. And I, I cut pieces of this also to put into winter window boxes uh, to decorate it with greens for the holidays, so um, that's one definitely that I would I would recommend. Um, I'm trying to think of an I can't think of any more evergreens right off the top of my head. It, it's very tough because people yeah. do want an evergreen screen, and I that's think right. that's a this is a situation where you have to alter your strategy because yeah. there are things that you can grow, but you have to grow them well. There's Privet isn't always evergreen. Sometimes it is, but they don't touch privet, and I don't really encourage people to grow privet no, because it's kind I of invasive. But I've seen it pruned and you know maintained through the season, and the, the deer don't touch it, and they won't go through it usually. That's right. That's right. Now they won't go for boxwood usually, although That's I'm getting true. reports from people saying that yes, indeed, the deer have come to their boxwoods. I find um, that they they will nibble the or sample the boxwood new growth in the autumn. The new growth. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And actually, there are a number of things that uh, in in the book, um, you know, I've got a, a deer-resistant rating. Uh, it's usually, it's always two numbers. Mm -hmm. So if there, it's a seven, for example, 10 being not browsed at all. Uh, a, t a 10 will indicate maybe that they will go for new growth, and then after that, they will leave it alone. As soon as it gets too woody, they don't go for it so much. And it must... I think in box with the essential oils must concentrate as the foliage gets more mature. Mm. And so they don't like that. They, you know, they have wonderful um, smelling systems of their own. And um, they, they just don't like things that have a strong fragrance or strong odor to them. Well, and, so. and we said that they will, I said sample, because they don't really decimated yeah. and boxwood's something that you want to prune anyway so that's right <laughs> they're exactly. just helping you out a little bit i guess absolutely absolutely and it, actually i found the same thing with with some of the perennials i mean um you know garden flocks they'll prune it for me about the time when it needs to be pinched back anyway so it doesn't get too hot too tall and need to be staked and wow thanks very much <laughs> <laughs> that's all right oh boy oh boy. i have to mention one more yeah. one more um ken the sunbird bush, uh, bush clover, Lespedeza, that's in bloom now, mm -hmm. Lespedeza thumbergii, that the deer do not go for. This is a pea family, and um, they can get up to seven, eight feet, something like that. Woody at the base, and uh, they're white, little pe white pea flowers or little um, purplish pink pea flowers, and I have one that is um, stripy, 
stripy with pink and white spots, Ooh. which is, I don't know where it came from. It just appeared, and I'm happy about it. <laughs> well, but no, it, you, you should uh, market that. <laughs> really? Course, we know it'll make us not rich, really. <laughs> no, 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 not in this business. <laughs> no, it's always a dream of that it's, special it's a, plan. It's a, it's a business for passion, not anything else. <laughs> well, believe but, it or not, we're out of time, if you can oh, imagine. Dear. But I want to recommend, again, 50 Beautiful Deer-Resistant Plants, and we'll have links on the Kendrews website. Uh, the prettiest annuals, perennials, bulbs, shrubs, and shrubs that deer don't eat. With photographs by Alan Dietrich. It's a beautiful book. It's a handy book. It's well-priced, colorful, easy to take with you to the nursery or the garden center when you're shopping. And uh, as I say every time we talk, it's got 50 plants and then about 200 more. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you again, Ruth. It's always so great to talk to you. Oh, Ken, thank you so much. And I know you'll you'll enjoy all of uh, Alan Dietrich's beautiful pictures. They're spectacular. Yes. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Join me again next week when I know we're going to have another fascinating guest on Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. Be sure to check out the website, kendrews.com. And who knows? Who knows what we're going to talk about next week? See you then.